Hey guys, this is Daniel Mouncy, aka Dr. D with telescopes.net, and we have a very special guest here. We have uh, Wayne Schrader from Starlight Instruments, who manufactures the like heirloom of uh, like the standard of excellence when it comes to focusers for telescopes. So, Wayne, thanks for uh, joining the program and I appreciate it. That's my pleasure, Daniel. Yeah, so I, there's questions we have, and I'm sure other people would like to know. And, and uh, you know, how did this whole thing begin? I mean, did you go to school for this stuff? I mean, this is like sophisticated CNC machining work, you guys, over, you know, how does this all come about? What's the history of all this? My personal background has um, nothing to do with manufacturing or uh, astronomy. I actually have my degree in accounting. Uh, graduated college, um, got the dream job in accounting, realized about three months later, it's mm. not a dream job. I didn't like being inside at an office, sitting down, stationary. I'm more of an outdoors type person. So kind of went sideways from that and got into the automotive industry. With mm. the automotive industry, um, I started working with a, a top 50 GM dealership group. So I ran the aftermarket department so if you had a vehicle that you wanted any type of accessory on whether it be factory or aftermarket um here in fort wayne in the outskirts of fort wayne indiana all those vehicles they all went through me so i got to coordinate that and then in 2007 2008 the car markets really started to take a downward spiral and it just wasn't a healthy to be in the automotive industry for me personally so um I got out of that and started with Starlight. What started, what um, intrigued um, Starlight Instruments about me was my background in the automotive industry was working with manufacturers, working with OEMs, working with dealer groups of different types of manufacturers. So Starlight had the product, but they had nobody that could really knew how a dealer, how a, a Woodland Hills, how they buy parts. Uh, how they need to be handled as a customer. So I took my background and kind of honed that into the astronomy that I learned the technical aspect of manufacturing as we went along. God, that's a far change from accounting. Uh, completely different, but yeah. still. It, it, I mean, it stuns me how like what people do and how they get into something like amateur astronomy. It's like so completely different. I mean, God, it, it never ceases to amaze me, you know? The The neatest thing about that I like about astronomy other than seeing the pictures seeing be able to what's up there in, in the university but is the people behind that what do people do in real life whether they doctors whether they're truck drivers doesn't matter I like to learn the stories about them personally and how they got into it because everybody's different whether you and your neighbor are into it you got the same exact scope different filter different whatever and your your focus points can be completely different so every story is completely different so that is so unique compared to most any other industry there is yeah it's it i tell you it is but so i have you know obviously there's a list of things that we want to know about it and uh you know the, the products that you offer i understand you offer retrofits that go to scopes all kinds of sorts of adapters i mean you pretty much work with every telescope there is in the industry practically from Newtonians to refractors to Cassegrains. I mean, it's, it's endless what you guys have. It, it is. There are so many different manufacturers uh, or private labeled uh, telescopes. Um, 
and and if like for some manufacturers that have a, a very robust stock focuser housing i just do a pinion assembly where it's a very easy cost effective upgrade very easy to put electronic motor drive onto it and start trying to adapt through uh brackets and and little pieces of almost like string or twine or gears that are exposed um we keep everything enclosed so so yeah everyone anybody can uh, upgrade to a feather touch it makes the electronic portions so much easier because we hold consistent tolerances from 2000 to 2020 20 year span we still have consistent tolerances yeah it's really insane and you guys are doing electronic focusers they're ascom compliant so i mean in theory if somebody wanted to work with your focusers remotely there there is a way to do it right oh most definitely and, and whether you're in california i'm in indiana i could have sure. your scope you have my scope and we can still log into it and still control it completely remotely whether you're in chile whether you're in your scopes in texas or hawaii it doesn't matter so that's really intriguing when you tell somebody well i'm gotta meet with a guy tonight and his scopes in a different continent but we're going to be able to remote in and and try to help him out get set up and people are astounded when you tell them that well you know one thing i will tell you that is i which i want to bring up which has been astonishing help is the the, the spreadsheet you guys offer on your site now and you know you and i had discussed this as well you know prior but it's been so helpful having that that spreadsheet for all the different brands and then you kind of lay out what the adapter is you need and what focuser goes with it i think that's just a huge asset to to uh, knowing what to what's needed to for every scope you know that's a lot of work to went into that that is um, the, yeah. and it's, it's still a work in process i still have many many manufacturers to do what's difficult on some manufacturers they're not consistent they'll have a same model of telescope but if they go from a different tube, they'll use the same model, but it's a different tube. So how do customers know what to use? So I created these um, little cheat sheets for dealers and for customers as well. So right. um, to eliminate errors. So customers calls in or emails in, I have this, fo- this scope, what focuser is it? Well, then the dealers and, and myself can go right to those uh, little tip sheets and find out what matches. And there is any questions on sliding dew shield, carbon fiber, aluminum or, or whatnot. Um, it takes a lot of the, the guessing game out of it. So we're right the first time, not the second or third time. So, you know, another question I have too is, is, um, what is it that the, uh, you know, the customers, what is it, what is it you find yourself dealing with, you know, with, with regard to astronomers? What, what do they like? What is it they, they don't know about Starlight Instruments? What do you find yourself what are some of the challenging aspects of it when you're working with, with customers? Um, Lava is, uh, we're, we're fortunate. A lot of our customer base is highly intellectual. So that takes a lot of the, the homework out of it. A lot of them are, are engineers, so they can help me out. And for instance, today I got an email from a customer that mm-hmm. um, has a Borg scope. And he's right. wants to do a make a binoscope out of it so he wants to know if i can custom machine his adapters for him um, here he has my three focuser so he needs two adapters and buy another focuser sure so he even provided me with the thread specs so that was real easy all i have to do is draw a cad print email to him he'll sign off on it then we'll machine his adapters um to another customer i spoke with today from south africa where right. he's quarantined to his house with a covid19 um right. he has two astrophysics spare 
focusers, but he mm. wants to upgrade his Takahashi 102 with the Astrophysic focusers because he upgraded with the Feather Touch focusers. So he has Astrophysics sitting there. So same thing. We're going to video chat tomorrow, and we're going. He's going to show me what he has, um, and then we'll just machine an adapter from Astrophysics thread to a Takahashi thread. That's kind of unique. We don't t- typically do stuff like that, but for this customer, I understand he has basically about fifteen hundred dollars worth of stock focuser sitting there. He just wants to use one of them. So right. if I can machine him adapter cost effectively, um, he'll be happy camper. But again, he has a motor drive, so he wants to use our motor drive that we already that he already has on his astrophysics um stock focus which have my opinion and somebody's on them anyhow you know that's what's always kind of astonished me about you you know knowing you over the years it's just um it's weird you can have the most unique situation you'll go above and beyond to help somebody it's not like this mass production of one thing but it just really surprised me the effort you put in to help somebody with one single unisolated problem and that's kind of unusual in this industry because you know, everybody's about numbers and, you know, I'm mean, granted we all, you know, everybody strives towards that goal, but, but, uh, yeah, you do, you do tackle some really weird or I would say unique situations. You've done a great job with it. Well, thank you. My, my kind of motto is no matter what profession you're in, whether you're at a restaurant, whether you're in any type of manufacturing or sales, your service must outperform your product. Right. Now, you try to call a utility company, you try to call a, a TV company and, and try to get some service. There's nothing more frustrating than speaking to somebody who who doesn't want to be there, doesn't speak the proper language and has no idea how to help. There's Not that to mention is, old times. <laughs> correct. You know. So, so I, I try to go above and beyond and I want my customers to be with us. I've been with Starlight since 09. So 10 years, 20 years from now, I still want them to be repeat customers. So if I can take care of them the first time and go above and beyond they hopefully I, I put a precedence where they'll con- contact us the next time they have a project for us to do how was starlight originally founded um kind of <laughs> weird um there was a gentleman the original founder his name is detlef werner schmidt um right. he's based out of schaumburg illinois which is outside of chicago he was i think he worked for like motorola he was a, a german engineer and right. he came yeah, up with this company, right? Made up the uh, uh, original feather touch focusers um, just for him and a couple of his buddies. And he got more and more demand, um, so he started doing other types of focusers. And mm-hmm. then in late '07, early, let me backtrack. In late '06, early '07, right? Um, he had contacted John, the owner of Starlight. Because John did some machining for him um, right. through a sales rep that was based out of Chicago. Long story short, Werner's choices were sell the company or close it because he could not keep up a demand. So mm-hmm. in June of 07, John bought uh, Starlight Instruments INC mm-hmm. now and changed it to Starlight Instruments LLC. So if somebody sees a two-inch focuser that has a logo Starlight Instruments INC, that's mm-hmm. 2007 and older. Um, so that's how... John came about with Starlight Instruments. Wow. So that's very fascinating. Um, so what type of problems can, you know, people eliminate by using the brand? I mean, 
I mean, obviously it's well made, the, the, the machining, the tolerances, the, the, the quality of the metals that you guys use. What are some of the things that, that people, could, you know, enthusiasts can improve by using your product, would you say? Let, I tell people if they use a feather touch, they can enjoy more time viewing and more mm-hmm. time sleeping because they're not going to be frustrated. The biggest thing we have going for us, we have such tight tolerances. Um, right. Where if anything come in typically from overseas, it's going to be, have a very loose tolerance. Meaning it's going to have some sag. It's going to have some slip. Um, right. Look at some of the the motor drives coming in from overseas. When mm-hmm. I get told the failure rate is thirty percent plus, it's like mm-hmm. wow, my failure rate I want to keep within one to two percent. So if somebody says I got a thirty percent failure rate even before I take it out of the box, it's like why would somebody want to go through that frustration? And even mm-hmm. whether it's a hundred dollars or not time they get it they get frustrated they have to pack it up send it back wait for a replacement if they have the replacement or they have to go a different route go quality the first time and 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 they can get up and running the first night or second night if if they can't get up and running i get them in in touch with the right people if i don't have the answers that will walk them through whether through a video chat or through um phone conversations and emails you know i've retrofitted a, a good number of your you know um focusers and what i've always found uh, fascinating is that the tolerances are so tight and so perfect but yet when you try to add a focuser to some you know telescope from overseas you can see that they don't have tight tolerances and so sometimes the screws don't fit the holes right perfectly because they didn't put their holes in the right place that must be frustrating because you're having to like go out of your way to try and solve a problem that is really not your fault you know absolutely and that happens quite frequently um and that when those happen i almost recommend the customers send us their telescopes send us their focusers so we can get accurate measurements um there's you're right there's nothing more frustrating somebody getting all excited they get the christmas morning look and they get their new focuser or new motor driver new laser in and something mm-hmm. doesn't work something doesn't fit and then we gotta kind of scramble to find out what the problem is and then how do you rectify the problem when your customer could be in France, they could be in California, they could sure. be um, Japan, they could be anywhere in, in this world, especially with this virus going on now, it makes it even more difficult um, to communicate with some people because they can't get to their shop, they can't get their tools where they're at their workplace because they're quarantined to their house. So high um, tolerance is, is a huge, huge benefit. We machine, design, engineer, assemble, and even anodize everything in-house. So we're able to control the quality. Every focuser goes through uh, one person. Um, his name is Josh, he's our main builder. And then after he's done with them, um, I typically pack the order so I get the touch and feel um, just as another set of hands and eyes just to make sure everything's good. So when All we right. ship something out, we won't work the first time. Wow, that's impressive. So are you guys, what's on the, like the, you know, the bench, so to speak, like you guys have, uh, what are you guys working on? Is there anything you guys are working on at the moment? We always have uh, projects. Upcoming. Um, Yeah. Our our new product, if you go to our website, starlightinstruments.com, on the homepage, you will see a new design of focusers, what we call our Gen 2 focuser. Most Mm -hmm. focusers go together. You have a round draw tube going into a round focuser housing. Well, how do you keep that centered? Well, normally you will use some type of shim tape or, or, or Teflon tape. So mm-hmm. it's even all the way around. It doesn't tilt one way or another. 
Well, we right. changed a, uh, kind of a design on this style focuser. We machined three flat surfaces up and or along the draw tube, 120 degrees apart. Now there's three uh, flat points where the focuser, the draw tube of the focuser will, will always stay centered. It's really tough to get it out of center because it's three points of contact. So that's right. one of our new projects that we we just released. Um, we were going to release it at Neef, have a big release, but since Neef didn't happen um, physically, um, we'll definitely do a release um, for everybody in September. And then the other project we're working on right now is the William Optics uh, Red Cat. We uh, created a motor drive for that uh, telescope. Now it's a great little yes it's, it's a belt driven so now if somebody wants to motor drive uh, motorize it they can um we have like one last part to machine that the testing all went pot went good so now we're just finishing uh machine the last part and getting them through anodizing and then hopefully they'll be ready to ship here by the middle to late april wow that's that's great so you i guess you're um uh, it's uh coming out with new things i guess that's an important thing you know you, you have to and sometimes you don't you don't know how popular a part will be until right. you actually do it. You get, you get feedback. Customers say, this would be a great idea. And then, then if it makes sense, um, you got the R&D to go into it. You, you ask other people that's, that's either avid imagers or been in the industry a long time. Do you think this was a uh, be a popular part? So we get a lot of feedback. And then we rely on a lot of our customers um, to get their opinions. And then if we say, think, yes, there is a demand for it. Then we just go to machining, do a few up and see, get them out into to the beta testers and if they're all positive then we go to the next level as far as machining more and get them out to the dealers to do some testing and, and get their thoughts on them you know i think one of the interesting things and misconceptions that a lot of uh, amateurs i run into have is their uh dislike for crayford focusers and i mentioned you know a starlight which you guys have a, a, I mean, an incredible reputation. So, you know, but it just, it, it never ceases to amaze me, you know, how many, how much dislike there is for Crayford focus in general versus rack and pinion. And I think that misconception comes from the fact that the, from the scopes overseas, because they're just notorious for slipping. And that's something you don't get with a Crayford focus or with starlight. And for me personally, I mean, you guys just raise the bar on the Crayford focusers are astonishing in how well they're made. And I've always tried to tell people, no, this is no ordinary Crayford. I mean, this is a great, you know, Starlight is a great example of, of a Crayford focuser if you want one, you know, instead of a rack and pinion. Do you have a preference for the two? I mean, I'm, I would assume in theory, correct me if I'm wrong, that if it's rack and pinion, uh, theoretically, is it designed to hold a little bit more weight? you know, as far as what you can attach to it versus, you know, rack and pinion versus Crayford as far as the load capacity is concerned? Sure, the load load capacity is much higher on a rack and pinion. The, my Crayford or the Feather Touch Crayford can outperform almost any import rack and pinion. Yep. Again, because of your, because yep. your tolerances. If that you can visualize, visualize um, how most import focusers work, they have a little brake thumb screw that yep. thumb screw has about an eighth inch head on it, which right. goes against the pinion shaft. And that's supposed to hold it, would it be three pounds or eight pounds of weight mm -hmm. um, pointing to Zenith? There's no way it can do it. Our Crayford hatch actually has a brake lever. It's a machined um, 
about an inch long brass lever that, that the pinion shaft goes inside. So when you tighten the brake thumb screw, you're putting pressure on an inch section of that pinion shaft, not an eighth inch. So that's where we get our lifting and holding capacity. As long as you can, anything can lift it, but you have to hold it um, facing Zenith where your weight ratio is completely different than just uh, focusing on something horizontally. And I understand you guys use really high quality metals. And speaking of that, has the pricing of metals changed at all? Is it, has there been any effect with, uh, how is it, if, I mean, what is the pricing as far as metals? Is it any issue for you guys or is it pretty much just been consistent over the years? Um, it's, it fluctuates up and down with the, with the demand, with the uh, economic um, issues, good or bad around the whole world. So mm-hmm. no, knowing that we, like if we're going to machine a draw tube for our most popular focuser, our two inch focuser, uh, Crayford version with inch and a half travel, um, right. if, the, if the timing is right and, and the prices are, are a little bit low enough, we right. will buy an extra bar, will it be a 12 foot bar. And we may machine 500 to 1,000 of them at one time. So people want to know why, why we have such long lead times. Our shop's full of CNC machines. But if, if I'm tying up one machine for a month straight using just one draw tube, then I'm going to use different size or machine different size draw tubes for the same focuser. So if you do the math, if my runtime is 15 minutes on a part, I'm getting four an hour times 10 hours i'm getting 40 a day so if i'm running five days a week that's 200 but if i'm running uh, a thousand of them that's five weeks worth of work that machine is doing just that one draw too so sometimes the the cycle times could be are are less than 10 minutes on certain parts but that's where our lead times come from unfortunately because we machine we, we machine our own parts where we can hold quality Amazing. Do you guys, out of curiosity, do you guys give tours that say somebody was visiting, you would show, is it public, you know, like public tour or something? Are you guys open to let people see what, how you guys operate? Or? Oh, oh, most definitely. I enjoy um, when customers contact me or if, if I see an order come in, whether it be from a dealership. I know I did one for you guys um, mm-hmm. last summer, the guy was from Michigan. So he was like two hours away from me. And, and right. I said, you know what? If, and he was re- and talking with him. He ended up being a retired guy. I said, "You're more welcome to come down for a visit." He spent like three hours at our shop just taking a tour, um, and he was a, a retired gentleman, but he was into manufacturing. So it was really, he was really inquisitive on how we did our process, just for his own uh, peace of mind, how we went through our process. So yeah, if anybody's near me, I'd love to then take a tour. I always offer it to people if I know they're within a couple hours of me or if they're passing through. Um, sure. Stop and see me. I, I love giving people tours. Then they're really um, astounded when we show them that we do our own anodizing in-house because um, most everybody has to outsource that where we do actually ours in-house. Yeah, that's usually a problem for some companies where they're waiting for anodizing and stuff. I've, I've, I've heard of situations like that. That's fantastic that you do that. And I think it, it really adds an, an appreciation. It helps people appreciate the work and the time and devotion that goes in producing the products you know sure and even something else that we got into we we powder coat now too so we do our own powder coating in-house we don't do that a whole lot for the astronomy industry but Mm -hmm. uh, about five years ago i had a guy in australia uh, Mm -hmm. wanted us to do up a three and a half inch focuser in white 
for him. It was a hundred plus year old telescope that they're redoing I think I start to finish. Of that online, I think there was a whole yep. thread. Yeah. So, um, so we, that's the very first time we ever powder coated, and and we've done some other projects um, since then where powder coating comes into play instead of anodizing for just certain colors or different styles. So that's a, a different aspect that we can add to it. Are there limits to colors you can do with anodization? I mean, I don't know if that's the right question to ask, but uh, I don't know if it's the color matching or if it's hard or if it's maybe it has to be done in bulk or whatnot you know it's always been something i've been curious about know with powder coating it's pretty limitless what you can do but is anodizing yeah. as far as the powder colors or is that powder coating is definitely limit uh, unlimited you can do any color you can tweak colors you can mix colors anodizing you there is some variations we do black of course um gold is red. the easiest color to color color to do um red uh, we do um what we call mm -hmm. copper which is celestron orange we do something real close to mead blue um, mm -hmm. and clear, which, which looks like it's, it's silver. What happens with anodizing, the longer you leave it in a tank, right. the more thicker you make it. The You change the temperature, you change the voltage, you can distort or change the color from a red to a, a darker red to a lighter red. So there's different variations that we can do. If you go to a commercial anodizer, they can do a batch of parts in big, big tanks, um, 15 minutes. For us, it's about 45 minutes because we slow roast it. We want that anodizing to have a thick really layer thick and rot. protected. Right, really get it in there. Yes. Yeah, you know, one of the funny things about, you know, I've seen this because over the years, you and I have both gone to the NEF uh, astronomy show uh, Northeastern astronomical form. It just cracks me up, man. Every time I go to your booth, there's like, you know, five or six people just, you know, rolling the knobs on the folks. <laughs> it's like, you just can't help rolling the knobs, you know, it's just like one of the things that, Hey, how's it going? You know, you're, you're having a conversation with a friend. You're just sitting there rolling these uh, focus. <laughs> I, I tell people, I, I tell people, especially at NEEP where, where there are so many people, um, yeah. Hey, can I answer any questions for you? And they like, no, or they say, no, I'm good. I'm just just looking. I said, okay, there's no charge to look, but you have to feel it. Though you have to turn the knobs, and then it's that wow factor. It's like, wow, my such and such doesn't feel like this. Why? I said, well, love is just quality. Um, whether it's old, whether it's new, it doesn't really matter. So that's that's our, our selling point. Long whether they buy it or not, this time it doesn't matter. But if they yeah. felt it at one time, it's always in their heads. Like, wow. I want something if I have to save up or my next scope, I got to put a further touch on it just because that feel. Well, I can wholeheartedly say you definitely get what you paid for. That is for sure with a starlight. Sure. So, you know, well, you guys are the standard of the industry and I, boy, you've answered all my questions and I, 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 what a pleasure it was to have you on this program and, you know, to share your experiences. And I promise I ever get in close enough in town i'm going to be over there doing my own little you know, visit to get a tour so I'm going to... we, we, in, in fort wayne i live in fort wayne the, the shop is 35 minutes away it's like 26 miles one way um right. we have a lot of manufacturers we have a general motors plant we have a vera bradley plant which makes handbags and purses and stuff like that mm -hmm. um but what a lot of people are coming to find we have a, a shop called sweetwater sound it's one of the largest musical stores um in the world and it's 13 yeah. miles from me so if anybody needs to go to sweetwater sound i didn't they're know 13 miles from yeah i know about sweetwater sound i just didn't know it was so close i'll be darned yeah 
yep, it, it's it's right down the road. Um, I've had some visitors visit there and then made it to us where they killed two birds with one stone where they came into town for that. So it, it's, it's really incredible. Um, watch that place grow. I drive past it every day to and from work. And it seems like every year they're putting on a new building. They're adding on to it. Um, so yeah, Sounds everybody's in town. Go on, go on there, stop and see me. Fantastic. Wayne, thanks so much for being on the program. It's really a pleasure. You guys check out Starlight Instruments, Feather Touch Focusers. Check out their website and uh, don't hesitate to call Wayne, man. He's always there. He's always been there for me when I needed help. He's just gone above and beyond. And I mean that sincerely, Wayne. I appreciate it. We all do. That's my pleasure. This is what I like doing. Clear skies to you.